You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Back in TW11 today after a quick trip to Paris for the back end of the ARC meeting and the IFHA conference yesterday. It's a glorious sunny day here in TW11 and after significant rainfall, it's dried up as well at Park Paddocks in Tattersalls for book one of their yearling sale, which will no doubt dominate headlines through this week. But we must continue our reflections on what we saw at the weekend because speculation is rife as to the future of the best horse in Europe, one of the best horses in the world, Ace Impact. Today, our colleagues at Jour de Gallo have written the headline, Ace Impact, Le Japon ou la Ara. And that means there is an intriguing third option for Ace Impact that might not necessarily mean it's either a case of retirement or racing on as a four-year-old. Could he, could he face the mighty Equinox in the Japan Cup. That, David Yates from the Daily Mirror, has been floated as a delicious and tantalising prospect. Uh, I think seconds after uh, Ace Impact had crossed the line at Longchamp on Sunday, um, a few Twitter polls started going up, didn't they, as to which horse would you like to own, which is the better, uh, Ace Impact or Equinox. Uh, Jean-Claude Rouget very definitely ruled out um, a trip to America uh, for Ace Impact, this would be the the race of the season, wouldn't it? For for those of us who have who have seen Ace Impact and and watched Equinox too, um, I suppose if you really want to, you could use Westover as a as a yardstick. He was beaten a, a length and three quarters by Ace Impact at Longchamp, and he was beaten double that distance, three and a half lengths uh, by Westover in the the Shima Classic. It it, w- it would be wonderful if it came off, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could use Westover and you could use the the filly that was an unlucky fourth through seven seas because when Equinox beat her uh, back in, uh, when was it, June, June yeah. although the margin was only a neck, he went about 20 wide and he absolutely demolished her in truth. Although, in, in a way, though, what you've just said could be used as a, as a counter-argument to my Westover, couldn't it? Oh. I, know that, I know that that neck uh, between the pair was no reflection of their of their uh, respective merits that day but ace impact has beaten through seven seas yeah. what over three lengths so that might be that might be one for the for the european that's why collateral form stemming is always dangerous because there's yeah. always there's always context that you have to apply to it and of course westover in dubai had had been difficult during the week to train and you could argue that he'd taken an awful lot out of himself in the lead up to the race so Loads and loads of uh, of factors to consider, but what a prospect that would be if Ace Impact and Equinox did go head-to-head in the Japan Cup. Well, as I said, Jour de Gallo broke this story uh, this morning. Japan for uh, the winner of the arc, Ace Impact. And I asked our regular correspondent, Adrian Cunhas, from that organisation whether he thought it was the trainer or the owner driving this possibility. (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a very good question. I think I think uh, they they both hesitating. Monday morning, Kamil Sheboub, so which is which owned half of of the horse, said, "Well, we we are really hesitating, and and he's really uh, uh, um, having an eye on Tokyo, and I think the Japan as a GRA team uh, are really." Um, 
uh, advocate for for the race and they try to seduce the entourage of the horse by 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 being a very uh, giving them uh, a lot of positive reason to Travis chance and one of them being uh, uh, a massive massive prize money in Japan so uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure uh, Jean-Claude Rouget ever tried to to, uh, to race a horse in 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 in, in, in Japan. Um, uh, it's hard to know what uh, Jean-Claude Rouget thinks on that because uh, on on the press conference after the arc, he, he didn't really spoke about mm. it. But uh, I, I, I would I would tend to think it's more the, the Shebub team that Fancy would it. be maybe yeah. tempted by a, 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 a far away. All right, so that's what we think uh, about the the views of Kamal Shaboub and, and Jean-Claude Rouget, and that might inform you better as to whether you think this horse is going to stud or indeed to Japan. Uh, David Yates, a, a quick final reflection on the performance of Ace Impact uh, and the significance of it. Well, I, I, like most people, I thought it was breathtaking. I think from a from a red top perspective, Nick, when there is a French trained winner of the arc, it's it's usually quite a hard one to sell unless. That horse is absolutely exceptional. And I think that that was exactly what Ace Impact was. Timeform have given him a, a rating of 133p uh, for that win. That's the best since uh, Enable's first victory in the race six years ago. But yeah, he, he was phenomenal. Um, it, it's, it, it really was redolent of Dancing Brave, wasn't it? They, were, they, they both took on 14 rivals. Dancing Brave in 86 swept down the outside before just edging towards that far rail. Um, Ace Impact, you'd think, probably traced those prints uh, as, uh, as he made exactly the same move. And, uh, yeah, this, this, for, for a home-trained winner, winner of, the art, of the art, this certainly wasn't a, a difficult one to sell at, uh, at about 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Some of those British horses in behind. We've heard everything about Westover goes to the Breeders' Cup turf, as you were hearing with Charlotte and Lydia yesterday. Uh, what about Hookham and the reaction of Owen Burrows? This is what he had to say to me a few moments ago. Set up, uh, ride back home last night. So I'm obviously up at Newmarket. Um, but yeah, he seems grand. Um, do you know what you're going to do? Is that? Do you think that'll be it now? Uh, look, I, I honestly don't know. I dare say we'll probably have a chat with Shaker Hisson now over the next few days and see uh see what's what but i can't imagine we'd be going abroad at all because the ground would be plenty quick enough over there won't it so um look we'll see yeah see what she wants to do i mean i, I know it's kind of been a been a bonus or already this this season and, and what he's done i mean is he is he kind of a sound enough horse now to go around again if you wanted to or if shaker is wanted to yeah look I, yeah there'd, there'd be no no reason why he wouldn't stand another you know season uh racing but yeah seven year old would you do that i don't know i don't know what did you what did you think of his run uh, look i felt he you know we obviously had to use him up a bit from that draw i thought jim got him in a great position um and look i think the uh you know the sectionals i think they went pretty quick up a bit and then i think it turned into a bit of a sprint because the last three furlongs were were very quick um so, you know, that's that's not his bag, you know, that's not his game, not on that ground anyway. All right, that was Owen Burrows. Now to Bay Bridge. Could he be bound for a second champion stakes after his creditable sixth? I began by asking his assistant trainer, James Savage, whether he was pleased with the run. We were, Nick. Um, you know, obviously when we walked the track in the morning, we felt it was good ground, genuine good ground. Um, 
then sort of like by the time it came around to race time it it'd been upwards of 25 degrees all day with with like a breeze and it was just it was always going to dry but it probably got to good to firm i'd say it might even have been a bit quicker than that um so you know we were really happy with the way he ran he was only beaten six lengths by by a very very smart horse um we ju- and we also just felt that Maybe he didn't give himself a chance in sort of the early to mid part of the race where he was just probably doing a little bit too much. You know, it, it was a very tactical race and we chose to go we chose to go forward from our draw. And, um, you, you know, the more we looked at the race in depth, there was, there was no pace. There's no obvious pace. It was always going to be very tactical and messy, as you'd say. But, um, yeah, so we were happy. You know, he's, he's run with a, a good deal of credit and uh, he's, he's travelled back from France great he had a little canter this morning and um we'll just hope to see now if if uh when we work him back if he's um in a1 shape then surely you'd have to think about the champion stakes as the you know he is the reigning champion james savage there and before that owen burrows uh, i suppose the the interesting point there david i mean owen wasn't committing hookham to another season at all he said that would be left to um to shake a hiss up but he, he certainly didn't rule it out from his point of view and felt that the horse was perfectly sound enough to go around for another season if Connections wanted to. But seven-year-olds with all their bits intact are not the most straightforward. One thing about Hookham, and this has been a, a point that's been made in the, the lead-up to the arc, of course, a, a six-year-old had never won the race, a seven-year-old had. But uh, they were apt to make the point that Hookham is not your archetypal six-year-old. There have been bumps in the road uh, that have kept the horse off the track. And so, you know, what's, what is he? He's a, a six-year-old who's had 16 runs on turf, two on the all-weather, so 18 in all. I, I, I thought that the, the book would be closed uh, at the end of the season, but of course they're going to defer to Sheikha Hissa and and uh, she will make the final decision. Personally, I'd be surprised if we did see Hookham at seven next year. Yeah, I mean, we're raising this possibility of both Ace Impact and Hookham racing on, but the, the the prospect remains less likely than more likely in both cases, probably. What about Bay Bridge? Well, it looks as though he'll go to the champion stakes, and that seems a perfectly sensible call. Uh, he hasn't just had a setup for him this season, really, has he? No, he's not. Uh, it's it. Looking at the race beforehand, obviously, when Bay Bridge went into it, this would have been a, a really strong story for for. For British hacks, wouldn't it? Sir Michael Stout, a, 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 a relatively disappointing, a very disappointing season with Desert Crown stop-start uh, campaign, and then of course his injury. Bay Bridge, who hadn't shone until his first run over a mile and a half in the September stakes at Kempton Park. And if there had been the victory for uh, Baybridge in the art, this would have been a fantastic story for us to write. He's only just reinvented himself as a 12 furlong horse. Prior to that, we always thought that his optimum trip was was a mile and a quarter. But um, if there's if there's rain in the run up to Ascot, then we might see him there. Sadly, of course, that would probably see Mostadaf go to the Breeders' Cup and not stop off at Ascot en route. Just wanted to get a quick reflection on Rosalian from trainer Richard Hannon Jr. How has the brilliant winner of the Prix Jean-Luc Lagardère returned from France? Is he in good order? Yeah, he's fine, Nick. Um, it obviously was a quick turnaround from from Doncaster, but I was beyond gutted when he got beat up there and just wanted to show what he could do on Sunday, and he's done that. A couple of things occurred to me. Was it just the ground that got him beaten at Doncaster, or was he having an off day for some reason? 
Well, no, we chuckle watched him and got tested him, and he was fine. He also got a right whack across the, the nose um, from O'Sheen's whip, if you have a look very carefully. And he, he, you can see his head go straight up. And, you know, as I spoke to, I spoke to Jim McGrath, funny enough, I knew every couple of weeks, sort of, I think about 10 days after, Donkerson, I said, do you think he could have been flattered by the Ascot run? He said, absolutely not. He said, not with the times, not with the opinions. And the way he did it, he said, however, he won that easy at Ascot. He probably didn't learn how to race. And I think that's probably spot on. And that was the first time he'd been asked to race. And, you know, he, he didn't know what to do. And he's a bit inexperienced. And, you know, I can go on making excuses forever. But he got beaten, that's that. And he sorted it out. And, and won the, the Lagarde Air, which you can't can't moan at. Is there any possibility you could think about running him in the Dewhurst? No, we'd have everything to lose and nothing to gain. You know, he's won his group one. He's got nothing to prove. I know what he is, and I'm very happy to wait for the Guineas. All right, you've had Guineas horses forever and ever in your in your family. Um, where does this horse? in your own opinion, stack up relative to some of those when they went into winter quarters? He's the best I've seen since Camford Cliffs. And, you know, we can't all be wrong. You know, everybody, you know, the team around me, we all agree uh, that he is special. And and um, that's been our opinion of him even before he, he won at Newbury. Trainer Richard Hannon there. Stumps drawn for the season with Rosalian. The best since Camford Cliffs, he says. All right, pretty much everyone I'm going to talk to over the next few days is going to be looking at horses at Tattersalls. That's what you'll be able to hear in the background. We'll be checking in with Charlotte periodically as well, who'll be up on site for us. Clive Cox, first of all, uh, is in- inspecting yearlings as-, as we speak. And it's been a momentous week as well. Brilliant performance from Ghost Rider at Newmarket on Saturday in the, in the Royal Lodge. He's got the 4-7 to seven favourite for the Redcote two-year-old trophy, and he's got a 1,000 winners under his belt. I'm probably missing something, Clive, but that'll do for starters, won't it? It's a good week, Nick. Yeah, no, it's... Um... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's been fabulous. The horses are running really well, and then that was a um, big landmark yesterday to, to get a thousand up. Really, really happy. It's one of my bugbears in the sport that we very rarely know when these things are, are coming up, and there's not really a sort of easy database where you can access it. How, how long had you been aware that it was in the offing? Well, we knew it was close, but to be honest with you, I thought there was one more to go, and it kind of caught me um, caught me out slightly. I thought we had two more to go yesterday, and um, apparently one of them hadn't been uh, uploaded. And um, but uh, no, listen, I, I believe it's correct and accurate, and uh, so we're, we're very happy, thrilled, and it was great for a young apprentice, Oliver Timms, who has worked really hard for me to get that honour of kicking that goal. You know, it was it was very special, but a, a lot of people besides all part of that that um, you know that work to get there is uh, not just about me, you know. And you clearly always need you know, green shoots, new horses, exciting prospects to look forward to. I can't think of a horse that could have gone into winter quarters as exciting as as Ghostwriter. And and is is he done yet for the year? That was a wonderful performance, Nick. I think I'm really really thrilled for Jeff Smith and to to have a horse of that caliber um, is is just superb. You know, I think we're still keeping an eye on him and just deciding what we're going to be doing, but. What he's done so far has been 100% um, what we hoped, and, and he's built every time. And he was so impressive on Saturday. I think, um, frankly, I think there's probably little more he can do to, to please us at this stage, and an awful lot more to come. Um, you know, dependent on what we decide. 
So it sort of sounds like you're leaning towards wrapping him up and what sort of training him up to training him up to a guineas, I guess. Well, that would be that would be exactly what we'd be thinking. Um, but we just wanted to give him a chance to show, as always. Um, you know, the horses are in charge of how we how we behave and what we do, and and um, I think there's there's little more he can answer this year, to be frank. Um, I haven't dived as deeply into the race as I'd have liked to, given how busy everything's been over the over the weekend. But to to the eye, it looked really, really good. What what sort of an animal is he? You, you're close quarters with him every day. Well, he's got size and scope. He's extremely athletic. Um, he's always had that that um, ability to just show how easily he's he's done things at home, even uh, whilst he was learning on the job. And I think it was. Um, it was magical the way he wanted Ascot on his second run with a penalty. Um, he almost eased up and jumped a skipped a shadow of the stand mm. inside the final furlong. And when you see a horse of, of uh, any caliber that, that almost plays with things like that um, and, and just shows that they're not really giving it maximum effort and concentrating on other things as well, it's uh, it's a great joy. And um, he, he followed up with that confirmation of, of what a solid performer he is at a new market on Saturday. Mm. Uh, just w- watching the way he, he moved and gallops, he, look, he looks quite an expressive horse, quite a quite a flamboyant horse. I was qu- quite impressed with the way he, he went through the new market race so well balanced in in light of that. Well, he won his first start up on the July course and, and managed that very, very easily. He has got balance and you know he's, he's just a, a, a proper athlete and, and that's precisely what we saw in him to begin with and I'm just thrilled that he's carried out that um, positive performance. Uh, Clive, you've got a, a, a four to seven favourite at the moment for the Red two-year-old trophy in Dragon Leader, who's who's doing an extremely good job of being a money spinner for, for Kennet Valley Syndicates. Uh, I, I presume that's where he's going this weekend. Yes, I hope, um, you know, I, I think he's he's going to be happier if the ground stays dry rather than too wet. Um, but He's, he's certainly well qualified and um, he could have done no more than he's done really he was he was a very worthy second uh, in the Weatherby's Hamilton race at, at Doncaster last time um, that's great for me thank you John um, and, and um, I, I do think uh, you know what he's done is superb this year and he's, he's rightly favourite for Saturday you know Clive Cox there before that Richard Hannon uh, dealing with with Clive Cox first. I mean, if Carlsberg did weeks, thousand winners, Ghostwriter, possibility of more loot with Dragon Leader at the end of the week. I mean, Ghostwriter looks a proper prospect. That you feel the two-year-old season suddenly came alive in the last in the last few days, Dave. Don't you? We've been hearing about Rosalian before that. The best since Canford Cliffs, says Hannon. Yeah, well, certainly from a domestic point of view, I think that the the cupboard looked pretty bare, didn't it? We, we we'd seen uh, Van Dijk win. A group one in France. He was really impressive uh, in the middle park at Newmarket on Saturday. I think it's a moot point as to whether they might try and stretch that horse uh, out to a mile at three. If if I had a, if you if you gave me a free bet at the moment on the Commonwealth Cup or the Guineas, I think I would go uh, Commonwealth Cup. But yeah, we've we've been used to seeing um, a raft of of Aidan O'Brien two year olds come out from the summer onwards, and it was it, we've seen a bit of a fight back now, haven't we? Um, Ghost Rider is now three from three, uh, and I thought was pretty impressive in the Royal Lodge. And Rosalian was a real talking point. Um, it's it's pretty rare for 
trainers having suffered a defeat in a, a a group two race then to have no hesitation but then to aim at the highest level which is what Richard Hannon did despite the strength of the the Ballydore battalions in the the anti-post uh lists for Newmarket and Epsom certainly I, I thought that that a quote of, of 14 to 1 about Rosalian uh about for the 2000 guineas I thought that was probably on the big side I thought he, he was he was really impressive um, at Longchamp at the weekend and if he got quicker ground and conditions to suit he'd surely be a player uh, in the Colts Classic next spring Alright well this weekend sees the 2023 running of I think what can accurately be described as the world's most formidable horse race the Velka Pardubicka in the Czech Republic at Pardubice. James Best, British based jockey is having his third ride in the race I would have thought it would have been once bitten twice shy but evidently not James you're, you're in for more yeah, I uh, absolutely love the race. Um, I, I grew up um, watching uh, the the national, the Pardubice and the cross country races, and yeah, I just absolutely love them. All right, so so how does it compare? You've ridden around all those courses, and and you've had some some success in them as well. I, I, you, I look at it, and I, just to watch it, you watch it with your eyes shut. I mean, what's it like to ride that course? Uh, it's just good fun, to be honest. Um, yeah just that's the best way to explain it it's just uh really good fun uh, like again i suppose you could slightly compare it to um a, a, a almost a cross between team chasing and hunting and uh just good fun uh, and what about the what about the terrain because that looks quite quite challenging yeah, it's um, very different. It's uh, obviously you go across a ploughed field at times of the race, and uh, it's twisty and turny. And uh, yeah, um, no, there's all, all sorts of um, different things going on. Um, and can and can you ride a race tactically like you would in a in a chase in a steeplechase in the UK or even when they used to say hunt around the first circuit in the Grand National even though they don't do that anymore? I mean, can you can you actually apply some kind of tactics to it, or do you just have to kind of go with the flow a bit? I think a bit of both, really. You've obviously got to take it as you find it, um, especially like I. Like I don't know this horse at all. You can obviously watch um, last year's race when it finished sixth in the Pardubice, and you can watch obviously numerous videos of the Pardubice back. But um, a bit of both, I think you can uh, go out there and try your best to, I suppose, follow. I suppose um, obviously Jan Falchuk, who rode very well over here for many years, he's in the race, so he's an obvious one to follow through the race. So would you get a bigger adrenaline buzz from this than anything else? Oh, massively so, yeah. Um, like, uh, I'm not exaggerating that it it's made my made my year when I got asked to go out and ride in it. It's um, someone I very much look forward to. Okay, tell me a little bit about the horse that you're riding this time. Obviously, you haven't ridden him in a race before, but you know a bit about him. Yeah, a horse called Lamborghini, um, trained by... Um, yeah, a man called Stanislav Papelka. Um, yeah, I, I was only la- asked last Wednesday to ride the horse as um, I think his intended jockey got injured in Murano the weekend before last. Um, he's had a couple of goes in the Pardubice. He, he finished sixth in it last year. Um, he, he did fall in it the year before. But um, but yeah, obviously going on last year's uh, performance, hopefully 
um, I can get a, a good spin off, good spin on him. Uh, Jockey James Best there, uh, phlegmatically uh, describing the the Velka Padovitska uh, this weekend um, as though it were a, a Pony Club Hunter trials. Dave Yates. Yeah, it's, it's funny how uh, differently we see the world, isn't it? Um, I just uh, I was looking at at, uh, at this race and um, my friend and press room colleague. The Daily Telegraph's Marcus Armitage, of course, won uh, the Grand National in 1990 with Mr. Frisk. He had three rides in the Pardubitska, um, uh, finishing six on Sulueta, the, the same year as Mr. Frisk's triumph, 1990. He wrote, in 20 years of race riding, the prospect of facing only one fence ever woke me up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat. The taxis, a six-foot-high, six-foot-wide hedge, followed by a yawning ditch. Um, so yeah, it, it, James Best might not think too much of it, but even Marcus Armitage uh, wasn't that keen on on the the fourth obstacle of thirty one in a um a really it's a it was it's certainly one of the real privileges I've had. I went to the nineteen ninety nine running, and it's a great race, a great weekend. I'm, I don't know if the the Czech St Ledger is still uh, run on the Saturday of a two-day meeting. But um, if you haven't been, then I'd uh, recommend going. A weekend, a couple of nights in Prague, followed by about a 90-minute drive to Pardubica. And uh, it really is a fantastic spectacle. Interestingly, just we, we think of um, the 1995 win of mm. uh, It's a Snip. It's a Snip, Charlie Mann. Yeah, and, and I was just, just looking at the... the uh, history of the results and one's used to writing the 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 sole the sole victory of a of a a british jockey but if you go back to the end of the 19th century there were absolutely loads of of uh, british jockeys who won this race frederick sin thomas buckenham uh, robert jekyll um george williamson john westlake the the list goes on those, those are all that's all in the 1890s and then the the very early part of of the 20th century so it, it used to be done there's a bit of a uh, a hiatus now since 1995 but um we wish james best uh the best of luck this weekend and certainly he doesn't seem daunted by the prospect anyway all right fixture list updates we've been asking where it is you heard from the levy board a couple of weeks ago on this show uh, the latest from the BHA is the proposals for the 2024 fixture list were approved by the BHA board while discussions with the Horse Race Betting Levy Board about funding were ongoing. This process has continued with further discussion and exchange of information between the BHA and the Levy Board on the assumption that agreement is reached this week. The fixture list can be finalised and subsequently published, most likely in the early part of next week on the assumption is the is doing quite a bit of heavy lifting there. 6th of September, if you want to go back to the episode where we spoke to the Levy Board's chairman, Paul Darling, Dave. Yeah, if you recall the the, the BHA media conference that was hosted probably towards the end of August. Yes, in fact, it was it was just before Ebor uh, week, wasn't it? Um, Richard Wayman said then that they were hopeful that the, uh, the fixture list would be published in mid-September. The, the episode that you've just referred to, John Joe Sanderson was on that Nick Luck Daily. And I think he said that we're inside the final furlong. Um, maybe at the time we mused that it was it was going to be a heavy ground final furlong. And that certainly seems to 
uh, have been the case that that sort of dotting the i's and crossing the t's hasn't been quite such a, a straightforward process. And I suppose listening to the uh, the bosses who run independent courses over the last few months, that really shouldn't surprise us. All right, it's Tuesday and it's the day we go around the bloodstock world. And Weatherby's, our friends, are currently taking entries for the number one global stallion guide. The Weatherby Stallion Book, along with their Global Stallions app and Racing Post website. And one farm which has been a long-time supporter of the Weatherby Stallion Book is Gestut Etzean, who have three stallions entered. And it's my great pleasure to welcome once again uh, to this show Ralph Cradle from Gestut Etzean. He's general manager there. We last spoke a couple of years ago, and that was just on the cusp of the arrival of the young stallion Japan, who you'll remember very well by Galileo out of Shastai, top-class racehorse. And incidentally... Shastai has her final foal going through Tats Book 1 this week, having made such an impression there down of the years, including uh, with Japan, who was a 1.3 million guinea yearling. So, Ralph, how's he going down, and what sort of splash has he made in, in Germany so far? Uh, he's going down very well. In his first season, he covered uh, more than 80 mares, which is great for Germany. And I was very pleased with that. Also, the quality of mares he got uh, into his first season was very good. And uh, this year, in the second season, he covered more than 70 mares. He got a bit more uh, in Germany. We got Toccato Tasso, which might take away a few mares and got the things a bit harder now, <laughs> having an arc winner as well here in Germany. So those are the two most popular stallions in Germany. And in terms of the caliber of mares that you're getting to Japan, just give me a give me a flavor of, of where he's at in terms of what sort of horses he's covering. I mean, for for Etzian, uh, I think I can uh, say he covered the, the best mares uh, we ever had on any book here in Etzian. In in your entire history. It's it's also the highest quality stallion that we stood. So uh, I was hoping that this will happen and it happened. So uh, I was very pleased to see that. And uh, of course, there's always room of improvement. You always want more. The owners can't see enough. But I, I was very happy with it. And this year we saw the first holes. And I can honestly say I can still uh, show them to anybody who wants to see them. They're very good. A uh, lot of quality uh, on them. Correct and uh, very good minds. Okay, so that's the first group of uh, of foals you've had from Japan. You've still got uh, other interesting stallions standing alongside him. Uh, Amaron is a, a Group One winning son of Shamadal, who won uh, eight Group races. Now his his winners to runners ratio is is extraordinary. Are you managing to get the message out about him? Yeah, this is actually this year got a bit more difficult. Uh, even he has had his best year on the track. He had six Black Type winners. Uh, he just lacks one star. Otherwise, we would be flying, I'm sure. But he lacks the star, and uh, but he is num behind only Soldier Hollow, who's a multiple uh, champion stallion, and he's 24 years old. He's the he's the leading active stallion in Germany, Amaron, with a lot of winners, as you said, a lot of uh, handicap winners, a lot of horses who win a couple of races. They are like himself, uh, tough horses. They keep going from year to year, and. They can be good two-year-olds as well. So one of the leading two-year-olds, Schützen Zauber, he just was second in the group race here uh, in the main meeting in Baden-Baden. 
And you're going long on Shamadel because your other stallion is also a son of Shamadel, Valdfad. Now, given the recent success in the sales ring of, of Earthlight and given what's been happening on the race course with the, with the blue points, it, it seems as though you're, you're on to a good thing at the moment. Yeah, the Germans, they also like having tough horses. That's what they're known for. We're also known for stayers. So we have a stayer or 2,000 plus horse in Japan. So we were looking for, Amaron was a champion miler and a tough horse. So we were trying to inject some speed into a lot of the German families that, that put, that, that's a big help. And Walfart obviously is a very good sprinter. He was a group winner in England and group one placed. Uh, on the sprinting uh, distance, which is uh, great for for uh, German horse uh, being group one placed in England, that doesn't happen that often over the, the sprinting distance. And uh, here's his first uh, yearlings already, so they're going into training. They were well received at uh, the BBAG sale. They have done nine times his covering fee, and so we're very, we're very pleased with that. And we're looking forward to interesting yeah seeing them on the track next year. And your stud now is in its, I think, 50, 51st or 52nd year. How would you assess your, your success now relative to, to what's gone before? So the, the stud is always, or has for the first couple of years, has been a very small stud and only private stud. But for the last 20 years, we also have a lot of, uh, last 30 years, I must say, a lot of clients who have uh, their mass boarding permanently here on the stud. So it's not always when you see Gestüt Etzian in the result line, uh, we only have about 40% of the mares are owned by Gestüt Etzian and the other 60% are owned by different clients. So there were very good horses spread by those clients as well, which doesn't come up in the statistics like uh, Manduro, for example, who was a world champion. He was spread here on the farm and spread by a client. So Etzian wasn't that close connected uh, to that. Ralph, we talk about German racing a bit on this podcast. Are you glass half full or, or glass half empty as regards its future? Yeah, I'm a bit worried, uh, but that's uh, for a long time since that. We managed to keep going quite okay on the start. So we might have been lucky having a couple of successful stallions or having some very good uh, fillies on the track as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's the general thing, but we, we have been doing okay the last few years, and I still hope that Japan will help us going for the next couple of years. Thanks to Ralph, to all my guests on what's been a busy show today. David Yates is with me. David, I don't want to let this uh, program end without paying tributes to Franny Lee. Brilliant footballer, extraordinary entrepreneur, and sometime racehorse trainer. Yeah, indeed. You know, we, we talk about Mick Shannon as uh, somebody who succeeded at the the highest level in both sports. Well, Franny Lee perhaps didn't um, reach the same heights as a racehorse trainer, but as a footballer, uh, he won what was then the first division championship with Manchester City. Also then, of course, went to Derby County uh, in the early to mid 70s and I think did the same there. So um, his colours were were a very, very much a, a recognisable sight in the uh, early 90s. I remember it was one of the real thrills of my first week at Timeform. Uh, I had to ring Francis Lee to arrange a, um, a, a trainer interview in the Black Book and to speak to somebody whom I knew from uh, from watching him on, on Match of the Day and what he had achieved 
as a footballer uh, was genuinely a real thrill just to sort of hear his voice on the other end of the line. Um, but he, he certainly had some popular horses. My favourite, I think, was Arce Lad, uh, who was a, a really good stayer in uh, the the late 80s and early 90s. You had the likes of Sir Harry Hardman and Encore Milady as well. Um, yes, he's died at 79, a, a huge achiever in several different fields and a, a very successful businessman too. And a, a very uh, down-to-earth, convivial uh, and likeable man to deal with. And, uh, you know, it goes without saying that that we send uh, his loved ones our condolences. But, my, can't they be proud of that life so well lived? Uh, Francis Lee, who has died age 79. David, you've got something to round off today's episode with? I have. I've got a selection for you. We are going to Wolverhampton for the 7.30 race this evening. And it is number 11, Speed Dial Baileys. This is a filly trained by James Tate. Three starts at Wolverhampton has won one and then was a next second in the most recent. That was at the start of September. More to come on this surface and I hope can win again here. 7.30 race at Wolverhampton. Selection is number 11, Speed Dial Baileys. All right, great to be joining you from TW11 today. Tomorrow I'll be up in Edinburgh, or near Edinburgh anyway. I'll be at the yard of uh, Lucinda Russell checking in on Corrett Rambler and his pals. Looking forward to that very much before heading off to Kentucky on Thursday. But from all the team here, it's bye for now. See you again next time. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.